Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. All right, welcome to another episode of Outdoor Country Talk with Jacob and Jeremy. Jake, man, what's happening in the studios today? Man, it is awful quiet, awful nice and comfortable here today, unlike outside. I think when I walked in a few minutes ago, it was 94 with a heat index of 128, I think. We also got a little teal action coming up, man. This is the opener. The mosquitoes should be phenomenal. When you are when you get into the blind Saturday morning, take two thermocells, a couple of things of bug spray, watch out for the snakes because they're really active right now especially in any places where they've just added new water. They seem to be really hot and moving. So, yeah, but teal season is here. It is here Saturday. I get to sleep one more time. I may not sleep Friday night, so I'm just going to say one more time. Well, um, is it, you know, it's funny whenever you're teal hunting, you always think about those mosquitoes, the cotton miles, everything comes along with it. But when daylight breaks and those little blue rockets come through there, you don't worry about any of that. No. No, I worry about making sure my gun is loaded. <laughs> After that, it's uh, it's all fair game because it, you know, they're they're dipping and ducking and twirling and turning and they oh, put yeah. on a show. I, I don't. Uh, the last couple times I've been at the camp here in the last week or so, man, it's a lot of birds down in South Louisiana right now, and they are doing their thing. I mean, it's a lot of birds that have never. You can ride up jump them off a pond and within just a minute or so they've made a loop or two and they've come right back in and settled right back in front of you and it's like oh well man that's awesome hopefully it works like that saturday yeah i hope it all works out i do man talking about hunting man we got a uh we got us a guest that's going to talk about hunting with us we do. Today we have Miss Brittany Jill on. And I don't know if any of y'all follow Miss Brittany, but if you don't, you need to follow her. She is an up and coming in this hunting industry and she's got a phenomenal story and I can't wait to hear it. Brittany, how are you? Hello. <laughs> I'm excited to be here today. Good to have you, Brittany. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to be talking to you guys and sharing my story with you. Brittany, actually, something that I saw today looks like we got a hunt with Browning coming up. Yes, I am going to Idaho on Wednesday. We're going to Flying Bee Ranch. Um, we're going to be pheasant hunting, so I'm super, super excited about that. I've never been hunting out northwest before. so. And y'all are going pheasant hunting? Is that what it yes. is? Yes. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm super, super, super excited for that just because... I've been out dove hunting the past, I don't know, week, week and a half, but I've, there's something about pheasant hunting that just gets you super excited, too. Oh, I bet. I saw a pic, I saw your picture you posted, I guess it was this morning or sometime, like you're holding a couple A5s, so oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm assuming that's going to be the weapon of choice this weekend. Well, I thought I was going to be bringing my own gun, but I just was told today, uh, I was asked what gun I want to be shooting. Because she said she'll be sending them out. And I was like, well, I prefer an A5 or a Satori. I'm like, that's what I've been using for dove hunting. But, I mean, whatever you guys want me to shoot, <laughs> I'll shoot. And she's like, well, how about I bring both of them? I was like, perfect. 
Yeah, there you go. That way you can try both of them and see which one you think fits you better. Because sometimes, well, I, I have both of them, so that's what I've been using for dove hunting. But now I was thinking, I was like, maybe I should try a different gun. That way I can test out other ones that I haven't used. There you go. Well, so, Brittany, quick question. We'll Do see you what have... happens when I get there. But I told her the two guns that I'm comfortable with. I don't want to miss and make a fool of myself. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay to miss. Well, it is, but. I'm trying to prove myself. I'm trying to be a good shot here. <laughs> Brittany, I've been doing this a long time, and I still miss quite a bit. So it's not uh, it's not that big of a deal, not in my world. I know, but I'm trying to show that I'm actually a decent shot. Well, okay. let me ask you this. Do you Can have you a... Dog? Do you Can have you guys a... hear my dog breathing? He is right next to me, and I don't know if I need to get him off my lap. I'm not No, nah, he's good. Okay. <laughs> Brittany, let me ask you this. For the pheasant hunt, do you have a Fitbit? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, I have an Apple Watch, but essentially the same thing. Keep up and let us know how many miles you walk. I will. Well, and it's kind of good because my husband and I kind of compete. He gets between like five to seven miles a day, so it's making me walk even more. So I'm hoping that I beat him that week. Five to seven I know miles I, today I know walking? I on a pheasant hunt. It was in South alabama actually of all places and we were on i guess that was probably maybe a 40 40 acre field but by the time we made gosh i don't know how many trips down to that field we made i'm willing to bet that i got a good five miles in but it was it was a lot of fun at the same time oh yeah it's i'm so excited i went last year with my dog trainer and i think we only walked about two miles but that's because we had dogs with us at that point they were pretty tired and he's a older gentleman so i think he was getting a little tired too but we got we got three wild pheasants so that was good there you go now yeah. Brittany, you have a dog that you've done a lot of work with will you be taking your dog on this trip no he doesn't get to go unfortunately but he's my retriever and he's still young and he's still like he understands but when we took him Pheasant hunting last year, basically, it was just keep the dogs close. That was the goal. So it was my lab and then my dog trainer's two labs. So none of them were trained really to flush, and none of them. So it was just kind of they're just going to kick the birds up and they're retrieving for us. So when he first started going, when we first went out there, he just thought it was a game. Oh, sorry, my dog just sneezed on me. Um, <laughs> he, he went out there, and he was just like chasing the other dogs he thought it was like a game until all of a sudden he brought back his first pheasant then his nose was to the ground his tail got all birdie but yeah no he's not coming with me but we'll be doing plenty of hunting and goose hunting and already been dove hunting five times this this season so far so he'll well, get his awesome. attention if you're like me taking my dog is just about as much fun as me taking one of my kids i, I enjoy watching my dog work as much as I do actually doing the doing the hunting or watching a good dog work. You know, when we go, Jeremy and I go on quail hunt sometimes and, you know, watching those dogs work back and forth and back and forth and when they go on point, it's just something about watching them. I mean, it's, it's bred into them. It's what they do. To me, it's just, you know, awesome to watch them. Oh, absolutely. Last season, I would go, like, for Kip's first, hunts that we went on i didn't even load my gun i just told the guys that i was with i'm like you guys don't shoot him i'm like i just gotta focus on where the birds are so i can send him the right way and i've got to make sure that i can work him and focus on him instead of 
me shooting and not seeing where the birds land. And some of the guys were like, here, do you want us to work your dog? And you can shoot. And I said, absolutely not. I'm like, I am having way more fun watching him and working with him than I am even shooting. I'm like, this is what I'm here for. And now that this is the second season, I'm feeling more confident, like shooting and him kind of just knowing ish what to do. I mean, it's still, he's still getting back into it, but like dove hunting, I think three of the five times I've gone, it's just been me and him. And it's just, like you said, there's nothing better than going out with your own dog and watching them work. And No doubt. No doubt. Well, Brittany, I think, you know, everybody's got a good understanding that you are an avid hunter. Kind of lead us into your story as far as how you got started in the outdoors and, you know, how young were you and, and, and kind of lead us into, into what got you into the outdoors and hunting. Yeah, so actually my ex-boyfriend, I don't know, it was like seven years ago, got me into hunting. It was one of those situations where he was like, well, you're either going to start hunting with me or you won't see me in the fall. And I was like, well, sure, I'll try hunting. Like, I'll, I'll see what it's all about. And my dad hunted, so growing up he would go um, gun deer hunting, but for him it was more of like the camaraderie and getting together with my uncle and my grandpa and my cousins and in the cabin and ding and more times than not they would never come home with anything and so that's what i assumed hunting was and so i went my ex-boyfriend we went we went bow hunting and my first season we sat up for over 100 hours and i saw four deer and to me that's what i thought deer hunting was so i was like okay like it's it's okay and there there were times where i'm like I, i'm not i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna sit but then out of dreams that a big buck would walk by so I'm like okay I have to go I have to go so that was like my first year of deer hunting actually the first thing I ever shot was a turkey which was super cool so that kind of got like the excitement of everything like going for me and then so we sat for deer season didn't really see much and then duck hunting came and I mean we had, we had a decent season but I was like this is so cool this is so much fun and we ended up breaking up and when we broke up he took the gun back that he got for me, and he took his bow back that he let me use. So I was sitting there with, like, nothing. And in my head, I'm like, okay, do I want to keep hunting? Do I even want to keep doing this? I'm like, I don't even know where to go. I don't have a weapon. Like, do I have the money to buy something? And so I was thinking about it, and at my kickboxing gym I worked at, every year for Black Friday, I got a pretty good bonus check because I ended up doing really good in sales. And so I told myself that if I had enough money to pay off the rest of my student loans, that I would buy a shotgun. And so I ended up pulling up my student loans, and I had about $2,000 left of my bonus. And I was like, all right, I'm going to buy a shotgun. So I walked into Cabela's, and everybody's like, go for the three Bs, Beretta, Benelli, Browning, and see which one feels right for you, and then buy whatever one. They're like, don't let somebody talk you into something. And I said, okay. So I went to Cabela's. And I got, I put the Benelli up, I put the Barrette up, and then I put the Browning up. I put the A5, put it up to my shoulder, and I was like, this, this is it. So I looked at the guy who was working, I was like, all right, I want this gun. He looked at me, he's like, really? I was like, yep, I'm, like, I'm taking this gun home. So I paid for it. So at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to keep hunting. I'm like, this was my, this was my symbol that I was going to keep doing it. Because I was like, if I'm spending this kind of money on a gun, I'm going to actually be using it. So I ended up starting hunting with these two guys who I had recently met and they're like, yeah, if you want to come hunting, come 
on down, and they lived an hour away. So every morning, I would wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I leave my house by 3.30. I drive an hour down, get to their house by 5. We'd get the boat launched. We'd go. We'd set up. We'd wait for the ducks. We'd hunt until about 10. We'd get back. I'd get back in my car, drive an hour back home, and then I'd work for eight hours at my kickboxing gym. I go to sleep, I wake up and do that the next morning. And so that's kind of where I realized that my passion for bird hunting was because I was hunting because I wanted to. I wasn't hunting because my boyfriend at the time wanted me to or like the guys that I went with, they they didn't care if I came or not. But they told me they're like, We know that if you tell us that you're gonna be here, that you're gonna be here and you'll be here five minutes early. And I said, Yeah, absolutely like because I I wanna do this. And then I ended up talking to a buddy for bow hunting because for me, I was like, I don't have land to hunt. I don't know where I can hunt. I hadn't really looked into public land. I, I just was like, I'm so, so new to this that I just, I just need to talk to somebody who has a stand that I can just go and sit in and wait. And so I ended up shooting my first doe with a bow um, on one of my buddy's properties and I showed her and she went like, I don't know, she went like 40 yards and dropped and I was so pumped and like I called her, I was like, I got a doe, like I shot one and he's like, all right, like stay in your stand, I'll be there. I'm like, okay. He's like, did you see where she went? And I was like, yep. Like she, she's down. I, I can see where she is. And he's like, oh, awesome. He's like, okay, I'll wait a little bit because I'm going to keep hunting, but then I'll be there. I was like, okay. He's like, make sure you stay in your stand. Don't get up. I was like, okay. I sat and I waited. I waited and I said, okay, I have to go see her. So I got out of my stand and I went down. I saw her and I got back out of my stand. So I knew that I got down. But <laughs> it was like, so that was just such a cool moment for me because I did it all by myself. And I was by myself and it was my first time. It was my first time. I was so pumped. And then after that, it's like the passion just kind of kept growing and I kept just. I mean, that's where I decided to get a dog because now I don't need anybody to hunt with. As long as I have my dog, him and I, we'll go out, we'll go duck hunting, we'll go goose hunting, we'll go dog hunting, we'll do anything. That's what I wanted. It's like I wanted to be able to hunt and not rely on anybody or anything and just be able to go. And that's kind of kind of where I'm at right now. Well, deer hunting, (laughs) it's kind of a different story. I still have to have a babysitter my husband comes with me and because he he does he manages hunting property so for him he has to make sure that I shoot a mature deer and I have to make sure it's okay for the deer that I shoot because they, they manage their property very very carefully and I'm the type of person that I'll see a small deer walk in there I'll see a small buck walk in I'll get so pumped and so excited he's like no 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 you gotta wait you gotta wait can't get that one. Can't take that one. Like, oh, no, no, you got to wait. So, it's a different story. But when it comes to bird hunting, I, I, I just go on my own. I don't have to wait for anybody else, which is what my goal was, at least when I got my dog. And then I got my dog. That's phenomenal. Let me ask you this, Brittany. <laughs> when, when you're hunting, you said you still have a babysitter on the deer hunting with the husband. Does he have a a list or a set of pictures that these are deer we're trying to take out or these are calls? Yep. <laughs> you know, these so are had, these are books that we do not shot. pull a trigger on. Wait, I'm sorry, what? 
I said, does he have a, a group that's also, you know, these are our breeder books and we do not pull a trigger on these? No. So for him, basically, as long as it's mature deer, I can take it. And as long as it's bigger than the buck I shot the year before. Because he looks at it as, if you're not putting it on the wall, like, you're you're not shooting it. Because, well, and for him, though, his whole job is managing these properties. The pe- Like, people pay him to manage their properties and then the properties that we have and that we lease and that we hunt. So I know some people listening to this might be like, well, that's, that's stupid because that's not how a lot of people hunt. But this is his life and this is what he does. And for him, the deer that we take off the properties is kind of what people look at. So if we take a big buck off the property, people see that and they're like, oh, I want him to come work on my property because then he can get the big bucks to come to our property or he can help us manage our property. So people look at what we take and it definitely is like a sign of what he can do, if that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. So I feel like that's a, well, that's a big reason too. And I mean, last year we had four, four-year-olds on a property that we hunt. And this year now we have four or five-year-olds that they are seeing it, which I think, I think we have three or four on pictures. So it's one of those, if we wouldn't have, if we would have taken them last year, it's like we wouldn't be able to see how big they've gotten this year. And I feel like a lot of the people in the properties near us are on a lot of the same page, which too makes it really like helpful because if you have a person who has land or property next to you and their type of, if it's brown, it's down, then it's hard to manage property like that. But a lot of people are on the same page as we are. So that's what helps let these deer grow and get bigger. Well, y'all are in the territory where you have, you know, the potential for large deer, you have a high protein area. And if everybody's on the same management plan or similar management plan, letting them age and, and get to where they're mature deer, that, that helps a whole lot. I mean, here at the house, oh, I can try to do what I want to, but you know, if, if my neighbors aren't on board with it and they're, you know, if the nubs are show, if it's legal, if it's a four point and it's legal and they're taking it, then, you know, we may not ever get any big deer. So, I mean, it's just, you, you've got to have everybody around you kind of working towards the same goal or you're, you're really kind of shooting yourself in the foot a lot of times. Right. And if, and if our neighbors weren't on board, I'm sure our mindset would be a little bit different. And like if a four-year-old walked by, if it was a, if it was a nice four-year-old, I'm sure that if our neighbors would be the ones that would take anything, then we'd be like, okay, we'll take it. But since a lot of the neighbors are on board, it's, it's, nice to be able to let them grow and watch them grow well, i know several years ago i got invited on a hunt and i was not a paying customer it was a a guest deal and the guy told me i had a list of things i was allowed to shoot and things that i was nowhere near allowed to shoot basically i had a couple pictures of cull books that if this one comes by this stand you are welcome to take him we want him out we don't want him breeding you know, and then we don't want his genes coming back into our herd. Uh, but then there were several pictures I was given that you don't even pick your gun up and look at this one. Right. <laughs> so there couldn't well, be an that's accidental, why, that's you know, why Steve oops. has to hunt with me because otherwise I, I will take the bucks that I'm not supposed to. So I don't really have the self-control that if a, if a nice deer walks by that I'm not going to 
get my bow up and <laughs> shoot. But he's there to be like, no, nope, give it another year. You got to wait. And once I do get a mature deer that comes by and he does let me shoot it, then it's, it's all worth it. But the neighbor kid is going to let me doe hunt on his property because he's got to get rid of a few does. So I think I'm more excited about that this year because I'm just excited to go out and hunt by myself and not worry and just go and shoot some does because we ran out of meat early this year and I told my husband, I said, we're not running out of meat this year. I'm like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go shoot some does this year because we need some, we need some meat. And I get just excited, just as excited shooting a doe as I do shooting a buck. Like I get I'm pretty sure you have buck fever when a doe walks by. And so I, I just, I like getting that excitement. And I like, I just love when it all comes together, whether it is a buck or a doe. I, I just love it all. So <laughs> I'm excited to shoot some does this year. Well, so, I Brittany, I, I know we kind of talked about it from the beginning, you and your social media. How has social media kind of played in your hunting? Because my understanding, social media is a is a big part of your life, right? Oh, absolutely. Social media now is my career. Well, I don't want to call it my career, my job, but I mean it's essentially my full time job. I manage thirteen of the GSM pages, so that includes Muddy, Big Game Hawks, Stealth Cam Walkers, NAP, Honey Made Easy, Scent Slammer, Bullseye Cameras. Um, Boss Buck Feeders, um, Birchwood Casey. There's a few others. I, I can never remember when I try to name them off. But so I do all of their social media. But then for my own personal social media, it's really been crazy. Just the amount of people, the amount of men who have daughters who've reached out and they tell me that their daughter looks up to me, or women who tell me that they didn't grow up hunting and that their boyfriend got them into it and that they love it and they're so grateful for it. And it's just incredible. The women that I've met, the women and the men that I've met through social media, I mean, there's some super awesome things that have come from social media, but then there's also, I mean, good comes with the bad, but I feel like there's way more good that comes from it than bad, which is awesome. Like last weekend I was, I went to a country concert and went on a dove hunt with girls who I know from social media from all over the country. One was from Florida, Alabama, Missouri, Kentucky, Indiana. Like, we all came from all different states to meet up together, all because of social media. Now, Brittany, what was that concert for? Well, I remember seeing it. Uh, tell yeah, everybody so it what that concert was. called Salute Fest, and it was um, a benefit for veterans. So it was. It was awesome actually the guy one of the guys from the green berets were there and i met him and so basically i don't know if you guys know i ended up looking it up i looked up a lot of information about them but um they were there was 12 guys who were the first guys to go into afghanistan after 9-11 and they ended up having to go in and fight on horseback and one of the 12 guys who was a part of this special team was at the salute fest which is super cool and there's a bunch of firefighters and policemen and there's a bunch of country singers that were that performed and all the money raised went to veterans that's pretty awesome yeah it was it was super cool 
Yeah, that's a that's one of those things that's kind of hard not to not to get excited about going to and being a participant in, and especially with the group that you have. I mean, Jeremy and I both have followed you for quite a while and and keep up with you on social media. Not that we're following you, you know what I mean. Uh, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> but you've got a really neat group of young ladies who are up and coming in this hunting industry from all different walks of life from all different parts of the country and each one has you know a unique skill set that they bring and a unique background and story that they can tell that just really makes your group fun to follow and and keep up with and see what all y'all got going you know it wasn't very long ago you were on a hand grabbing trip (laughs) yep I'm not yeah. going to call it noodling. We've had this discussion before. <laughs> you know I'm going to call it hand grabbing. Hey, that's okay. Yeah, it's just, I mean, all of us have the same interests, and we're just friends. I mean, you know, guys get together to go on hunts and go to deer camp. I mean, for us, us girls, we just get together, and we go on hunts, or we go noodling, or we'll go fishing. I mean, I've had some of the girls come up to Wisconsin to go ice fishing with me. And we're just a group of friends that, I mean, we pay the guys, we, we go and do it, and it's just like anybody else. And it's just because we all want to do it. And if an opportunity, I feel like we're good at if an opportunity comes that we'll start a group chat with some of the girls. Go, like, hey, do you guys want to go to North Dakota and go on a duck hunt? It's like, yeah, like, let's do it. And that's how it all just kind of starts. It's like an opportunity of somebody sees guide or something and they're like hey that looks like a, a good guide to go with like let's book them and let's go or for noodling or for fishing you know it's like and then we're like yep let's let's do it and it's just we all have the same interests and I feel like a lot of us don't have that many girlfriends in our hometown that like the same things as us so we just all end up getting together and meeting up together well that's what makes it fun I mean, that's people ask me all the time, why do you like to hunt so much? It's not so much a hunting a lot of times, it's a camaraderie. It's the relationships that you build, the friendships. You know, I I talk to guys from all over the country every week through social media or a phone call or something, you know, whether, whether it's about hunting or about fishing or, hey, what have you heard about this group? Do you know anybody that's hunted over there? We're going to book with them. And... You know, it's just, it's what we enjoy doing. It's what I enjoy doing. I know Jeremy's the same way I am. You know, if somebody's got something good going on, I'm always interested. You know, I don't mind going and putting out a little work or going and helping do something or, you know, or paying and going on a paid hunt. Uh, We do a little bit of all of it. But it's mainly about the friendships. It's it's the, the stories that we get to tell when we get back. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd rather spend my money on trips and adventures and hunts and going and doing things than shopping and clothes. And I, mean, I don't really shop much, but most, most of my money goes towards my traveling and my hunting and fishing. And I'm 100% okay with that. Well, Brittany, you mentioned it just a little bit ago, you know, that you were, you were working at a kickboxing gym. I know fitness is a, is a pretty big part of your life, too, as well, right? Absolutely. I went to college, actually, for exercise science. 
And then I got an internship at a hospital doing cardiac and pulmonary rehab. And then I went to the hospital for about a year. And then I did the kickboxing. And then I instructed Zumba during that. And now I just kind of do, I do some online training. I do some in-gym training. I just, I mean, I literally just came, well, I came from the gym about two hours ago. But, I mean, fitness is a huge part of my life just to keep me healthy and keep me in shape. And, I mean, I'm going, well, I'm going to that pheasant hunt, which, I mean, I didn't train for or anything. But I'm going to New Zealand in March for a red sag hunt with my husband for our, well, late honeymoon. And I'm definitely going to be having to train for that because we'll be going up and down the mountains. And so it's not even just for hunting. I mean, it's just for everyday life. It's just become a lifestyle for me, which is what I like. And it's just something I'm passionate about. Obviously, I went and got my degree in it. So <laughs> Yeah, I know there's some guys down from, from our area. I know they go on like an annual elk hunt every year. And I hear them talking about, you know, they, they throw on a backpack, may have 20, 30 pounds in it, and they'll... They'll start making some evening walks, kind of preparing themselves, because a lot of times, you know, if you don't go prepared, you know, that could that could ultimately turn into maybe not getting that trophy, not having such an enjoyable hunt as you would as you, you know, you train a little bit, get in shape. So you know, I definitely can, can see what you're talking about there. Yeah, I went last year on an elk hunt. It was my second elk hunt, and the first one I thought I trained a lot, and the mountains humble you. Let me tell you, they, you get out there and you think you're in shape and then you get start going up and all these mountains and they humble you quick. And then last year I thought I was in good shape. And again, you get out there. I mean, with the altitude too, but you're hiking up and down these mountains. You're hiking between eight to 10 miles a day. I mean, you're, you get your workout and when you go and it's best if you train before, just to, even a little bit, just to get your body a little bit used to it at least <laughs> well the altitude in the thin air has an effect on you that you don't think about till you get up there for sure uh, yeah for sure <laughs> you know if you're in shape here and you know if you walk two miles and you're a little winded you're going to be a lot winded up there when you're having trouble <laughs> you know getting a breath of air yes we uh we went yeah. on a hunt years ago and the guy that was our guide took off and come to find out he's some type of triathlon gold medal winner and it's like ho ho dude all right i i'm bad i think i am but you you gotta let's let's set the pace a little slower to begin with okay right i think i can keep up but i'm also not quite in the shape that you are even though i mean i work out every day it's still it's 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 tough i mean it all depends where you go too but i'm sure even in idaho i'll be i'll be huffing and puffing <laughs> Now, do you think that'll make any of the video footage? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> here is Brittany Jill, fitness girl, and she is currently dying out here that, on a pheasant hunt. <laughs> well, it, it would make for a different, uh, you know, we've talked about this on here before. Uh, uh, Jeremy and I have discussed it before. Sometimes the blooper reels on some of the hunting shows tickle me more than the actual successful shows. So, you I know, agree. it's okay to release a blooper one every once in a while. You know, Brittany Jill, fitness enthusiast, you know, laid out on the ground. <laughs> I, I'm sure one of those will happen this, this next week. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag winded. <laughs> hashtag not fit. Hashtag will she make it. Right. 
Well, Brittany, that's kind of what I was looking. I was looking out for Jacob. He uh, he actually came with me to one kettlebell class. hadn't came back since, but I was just actually, you know, trying to look out for him, prepping him for teal season, duck season coming up. But he he had, he hadn't you know caught on with it yet. <laughs> at least for duck hunting and teal, I mean, at least you get to sit in a boat. You don't have to do too too much work. But I do get I do get pretty tired when I'm sitting on two flies and trying to walk through the water in my waders. <laughs> I don't get tired doing that. We're fine there. The kettlebell class, those people were not nice people. Jeremy set me <laughs> up, and uh, I think he knew what was coming that day. They did a ladder drill where we did, what, five different exercises, and it was all back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. And Yeah. The guy was nice enough to give us like a 20-second break in between sets. And it was like 20 seconds. What, what is 20 seconds? I, I'm sitting here still trying to mumble that over before you say go again. Uh, <laughs> and at 42, I'm not quite in as good of shape as I used to be. That sounds like my, I used to do a boot camp where, it sounds about right, where you do an exercise for about a minute and then you get about a 30-second break and then you go to the next exercise, you go for a minute and get a 30-second break and some of the girls there were not very happy, but it, it's it's for your own good. Now, Brittany, we I go to the gym some very rarely. Let me go ahead and preface that. Uh, <laughs> but when I do go, I like to go early in the mornings when it's not a lot of people there. And there's one group that I get tickled at five o'clock in the morning when I see them. It's a it's a group of diehards that come in at five o'clock and they hit the spin class and then. Sometime throughout the spin class, that mean little lady hollers at them, and they come out, and they start sprinting on the treadmill, and then they walk on the treadmill. And then she's got them, some of them over doing planks in the corners, or some of them are doing push-ups, or some of them are doing squats. And then they get back on there, and they take off running again. And then they hustle back in and go spin again. And I'm like, there's not a single person in that group that looks happy. None of them. I'm over there. You know, I've got a Dr. Pepper in my hand. I'm working out a little weight. Yeah, I'm enjoying myself. And they do not look like they are having anywhere near as much fun as I am. Brittany, but what Jacob doesn't know, that's our next class we're going to. He doesn't know that yet. Well, let me tell you, spin class is the one class that intimidates me. and I've never taken a spin class in my life. I just don't see the point in riding a bicycle that doesn't go anywhere. Well, one of my girlfriends, actually, I was on a cruise, and she was a spin instructor, and I did one song with her. And so it was like a three-minute bike ride. Oh, my gosh. I thought my legs were going to fall off. I was like, (laughs) I don't think I could do this for 30 minutes, let alone an hour. So, yeah, I've never taken a spin class, a true spin class. To follow that real quick, Brittany, and we'll move on, but my nine-year-old daughter has a soccer game yesterday at 6. At 5 o'clock, she sends me a message, Daddy, I'm in spin class. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, baby, why are you in spin class? You know, we don't (laughs) swim before softball games. We definitely don't do swim class before a soccer game, baby. And she's like, yeah, it doesn't bother me, Daddy. I'm like, huh. True story. I remember those days. I was there to witness the text message. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I remember those days when I never got tired, but those days are right. long gone. At nine, I just didn't have enough sense to know I was tired. Yeah, exactly. But no, well, tell us, Brittany, tell us some more about what you've got coming up because I know you've got a phenomenal 
season coming up? Or can you tell anything, you know, you don't want to tell too much and spoil what you've got going on? Or Oh, no, I can't. I can spoil whatever. Um, so I have a show next week. And then I really, I mean, I really don't have any too, too much planned. Um, I'm, I'll be deer hunting in Illinois. I'll be duck hunting up in Wisconsin. Actually, through my whole journey, my mom has been intrigued about duck hunting. And she now wants to come with me. And actually, my dad's going to come too. And my dad and I have never duck hunted together. So we're planning a hunt for my dad, my mom, me, and Kip to all go out. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, we don't have it officially planned yet, but my mom says she's just going to sit whether in the boat or in her waders or what, but she just wants to watch and she just wants to watch Kip work. So we're going to be doing that. Um, I'll be going up to the Mississippi river with some guys up in Wisconsin for a hunt. Um, I'll be hunting in Illinois. I, for, these are all for ducks and geese. And then in March we have our red state hunt. So that's all I really have planned officially. Um, I'm kind of a fly at the seat of my pants girl where an opportunity comes and a week later I'm in a different state hunting. So I have a feeling some of those might be coming up, but I don't know officially yet what, but I'll hopefully be in Arkansas this year too. That's my goal. Have y'all got a timber hunt that you're looking at possibly? Um, so my, the guy who guided our noodling trip guides in Arkansas. So I might reach out to him because I talked to him about, um, bringing Kip along and seeing if I could bring my own dog. And he said, yeah, so I might book a trip with him because I want to make sure I could bring my dogs. My goal this season is to get Kip on as many birds as I can. So I'm hoping to do that. And basically any, any opportunity that comes, I'm always like, heck yeah, like, let's do it. So but that's all I officially have planned. Well, Brittany, kind of going back just a little bit, you know, we talked about your hunt with Browning. You know, that's not that's not anything that just, you know, the, the per- random person off the street is going to get invited to. Really, how did you kind of get affiliated with these brands? You know, you mentioned that, you know, you run the social media pages for, for several brands. You're going on a hunt with Browning. How did you kind of get into getting affiliated with these brands? And I don't know if you call it, you know, ambassador or pro staff or whatever you want to call it. But how did you get into that? So it all, so I knew back in my kickboxing days, it's funny. I told the members at my gym, I said, I want to do social media because I want to be able to work from anywhere and I want to be able to travel. And so I actually did Scentlock, the camouflage company. I reached out to them, but before that, I actually reached out to probably, I don't know, 30 to 50 different companies. I would look online to different companies that I knew of or have heard of or have used their products, and I would send emails. I would personally call the phone number on their website and try to get a hold of their marketing person to do their social media. Well, I finally got a hold of somebody at Scentlock, and I was like, hey, I see that nobody is posting on their Instagram page. I'm like, I would love to do that for you. And they're like, great, we'd love to have you do that, have you do that. So I ended up growing their social media from 15,000 followers to 66,000. So that was like a big resume booster. So at least now I kind of could prove to any other company that, hey, if I can grow their page, I can help grow yours. And during that time, I I was working on personally growing my own page because I wanted to show a company too that 
if I could grow my own page, I could help grow theirs. Because if I had 200 followers, I'm reaching out trying to help grow their page. They're going to look at my page and be like, well, why don't you have more followers then? So that time, I think I had like, I don't know, maybe 10 or 20,000 followers. And um, so I was at ATA with Scentlock and I had meetings with five different companies, like sit down meetings with them that I'd set up to hopefully help do their social media. Well, every single one of the companies basically said no, that they want to do it in-house, which made sense. I understood that. Then any business that I had heard or knew of and that they didn't have anybody talking to them, I'd go up to them and I'd introduce myself and kind of show them what I've done. And every single one of those people said, no, we're going to do it in-house, which again, I was like, okay, that makes sense. So I asked probably, I don't know, 100 to 200 different companies if I could help them with their social media. Well, finally, I reached out to Hunting Made Easy, which was a smaller page, which I kind of knew of, but um, I reached out to the guy and he's like, all right, I'll tell you what, I'll let you run this page and we'll kind of see how it goes. I said, awesome. So I started doing it. And after three months, my boss reached out to me and he said, hey, how would you feel about taking over all of the companies from GSM? And at that time, we had seven companies. And I said, I would love to do that. So I started doing the seven companies. So that was like Stealth Cam and Honey Made Easy and Sense Slammer. And I can't remember what seven companies exactly they were. But then as the company is growing, it's really cool because I'm growing with the company. So when we acquired NAP, I got to work out, I got to do their social media. Then we acquired Big Game, Muddy and Hawk, I get to do their social media. So it's like as the company is growing as a whole, I get to grow with the company and I get to take over more pages, which is super cool and super exciting. And so it took about three, three and a half years of me reaching out to companies and asking and really, really, really putting myself out there. I mean, it was, I was turned down so many times and I was getting discouraged and I, I was like, well, maybe there isn't something like this for me to do. But then I finally got my opportunity, which was super cool. And then um, what's nice too is that I have like a decent following. So they see that and they're like, okay, well, if you're using a hawk stand where your money harness, you can help promote the companies too. So that's, I think, what they looked at. But then, which was really awesome and which is cool because then I get to represent the companies that I work with. Um, and then with Browning, actually, I, when I was with the TV show, we were sponsored by Browning Trail Cameras. So I became really close with the guy, Tom, from Browning Trail Cameras. Well, when I ended up quitting the show, I was working for Stealth Cam. And the whole time I was completely open and honest. So he knew that I was working for Stealth Cam, but then we were sponsored by Browning Trail Cameras. So then when I quit the show, I basically called him and I told that he was the one person. I was like, I don't want to call. I don't want to tell him that I can't work with him anymore because he was so good to me. And he was such a great guy. And when I called him, we ended up talking on the phone for like 20 minutes. And he's like, you're fine. Like, I understand how the industry is. And I, I understand you're working for this company. He's like, I, I'm not mad at all. This is how it happens. And so he was so nice to me. And he was so great. Well, then at ATA, I had a meeting with Browning. and Or no, I'm sorry. At Shot Show, I had a meeting with Browning. And I sat down with uh, two of the people from Browning, and I kind of explained myself. I told my whole story about my A5, and why my A5 is near and dear to my heart. And 
they kind of looked at me. They're like, okay, well, what are you looking for? And I literally stopped in my tracks and was like, I don't know. I'm like, I, 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 I don't. I don't want anything. I'm like, I don't really, I'm like, I just want to be able to represent your company and promote your company. I'm like, because I'm already, you, I've already used your gun for over five years. I'm like, I've, this is my first gun that I personally bought that I, my biggest expense that I've ever bought besides my car was my shotgun. And I just love that gun. I love the brand. And I'm like, I would just be honored to even be affiliated with Browning. And they're like, okay, yeah, like we we can see what we could do, and um, and then actually I met the woman from Browning Ammo, so I've been working with Browning Ammo too, and it's just they've been great to me, and I've realized Tom, so the one from Browning Trail Cameras, he basically was one of putting a good word for me, and he told Rafe at Browning and was like, you know what, she would be a great person to represent your company, and. They, they call it a partnership. So, like, we hate pro staff. We don't do pro staffs or whatever. They're, so we they call it just, like, a partnership. Kind of just, they help me out. I help them out. And, yeah, so it's kind of, that's kind of just how it happened. And that's what I realized. It's, like, the industry is too small, and you don't want to burn bridges. And, actually, it's funny. As I talk to Tom from Browning Trail Cameras now more than I even did when I was working with them. And it's, like, we're, we've become, like, really good friends and, you never really know where somebody can come back and help you out. And that's what was really cool in the situation is that he was basically the reason why I got the good word in with Browning. That's neat. It's amazing how sometimes your relationship that you've built that you don't think of, you know, will lead you one way will actually lead you a completely different way. You know, Jeremy and I both run into that with different things. You know, we, it's always cool to to see where that works out at. Well, and they said that they'd been, well, and I didn't know this, but they apparently had been following me on social media for like two or three years. So they had been watching what I was posting and seeing that I was like tagging Browning and seeing that I was using my A5 and that like they, they kind of watched to see the type of person that I was before they even thought of me, I guess. And, and which I didn't even know. So I didn't know if they were following me. I didn't know if they were seeing my stuff. And when I met with them, they told me that. And I was like, oh. They're like, oh, yeah, we know all about Kip and we know all about this. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I, I didn't know you guys were following <laughs> me. But it's one of those situations, too, where, I mean, you don't know who's seeing your stuff. Being Having a page that's public that's not private, I mean, you don't know who could be seeing your stuff. I mean, I'll... I'll see that Donald Trump Jr. likes my post, and I'm like, oh, oh, my gosh, like, he saw that post, you know? So it's it's just cool. Social media is just a crazy cool place. Well, well there's actually a photo of you and Don Jr. on your Instagram, right? There is. I actually met him. That's pretty awesome. So, I met him out ice fishing. So it was actually him that was legitimately following you. Yeah, yeah. He even he when I met him, he's like, "Yeah, if you post the picture, tag me, and then I'll start following you." So I said, "Well, I was gonna post the picture either way, but now it's even more of an exciting picture <laughs> post." Now, how did y'all happen to meet ice fishing? <laughs> so this is a funny story. Um, so the guys that I was ice fishing with followed a guy called Black Tip. That's his Instagram name, and. 
they were looking at his story and saying that they were in Milwaukee. And I was like, that's cool. So then I went to this black tip guy's page. So I was like, oh, I wonder where he's fishing. And I looked and I saw that he was with Don Jr. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to meet him. Like I, he's in Milwaukee where we are. I need to find out where he is. That, that doesn't sound creepy at all. Um, <laughs> no, not but, even a little bit. I know. So as I said it out loud, I'm like, okay, that sounds really creepy. Yeah, it's stalkerish um, but, slightly. So I was watching and I was like, they were fishing by the Summerfest grounds where I, I knew exactly where that was. And I'm like, I don't think that I can just go and walk up to Don Jr. I'm like, there's got to be Secret Service or something. I'm like, and I, I can't just walk up to him. So I was like, oh, I, I need to figure out who I can talk to. Well, I called Keith Mark from Hunter Nation, who he he knows him personally and and he's talked to me about him before. And so I was like, okay, he could be the guy that make this happen so i called him up and i said hey so don jr is fishing like two miles away from me i'm like is there any way that you can maybe call him or see if there's a way that i can meet up with him and he's like okay hold on you see what i can do so okay so he calls me back a little bit later he's like all right take a picture of what you're wearing and send it to me that way i can show him or he can show a secret service and let them know you're coming i said really he's like yes he's like as long as you promote hunter nation and that this is the reason why you guys get to meet i'm like well absolutely like you're the reason so i asked one of the one of the girlfriends that i was with i was like hey do you want to come with me and she's like well i don't know she's like i, I bet they could, they're gonna catch a fish and we're gone i was like okay well either you're coming with me or not but i'm like i'm going to meet him and she's like no i gotta come with you i was like okay so we go we drive over there and we get to the ice where they're at and there's like six different shanties out there and i'm looking around i was like shoot which one are they in i see a guy with a video camera i was like they've got to be over there so we start walking over and lit like i see him from afar i'm like oh my gosh there he is well then he starts walking towards us so i was even more excited because he actually like knew who we were but i mean he got a picture of us and i was wearing full camouflage so, and there's not many girls out there so i'm sure he I was like oh those are the girls so we walked over and we sat and talked for a little while. He was super, super cool. He was super laid back and just chill. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, fishing! So he runs over and he starts reeling in this trout. And it took him like 20 minutes to reel in. I got to watch him reel in the biggest trout of his life, which was super neat. And we, the whole time he was reeling in his trout, I was talking to a Secret Service guy. And he was really cool. And so we, we got the pictures before his fish, good thing, because then all of a sudden, and you just take him for like some videoing and stuff and so shook his hand and said it was great meeting you because i didn't want to be that weird girl who's stayed there for like 40 extra minutes and they're like well what is she still doing here so i just was like right like thank you it's great meeting you and then we went back and then when we got back we found out that they did catch a fish but i didn't care my friend was a little sad but i didn't care <laughs> No, I'm thinking that's going to supersede any fish that would get caught at the Oh, ice exactly. Shooting. That's what I was thinking, too. Well, my friend, she's never been. I, well, she went with me the day before, but she was, like, tickled by ice fishing. So she was like, I want to catch another fish. I was like, well, I'm going to meet Don from Jr. Because she didn't that's get like to catch one, thing. but she got to watch Don Jr. catch one. So that's kind of. Right, that's what I said, you too. You could actually say you were fishing with Don Jr. when he caught a large I mean, that, that you could actually work that together if you really tried hard at it. 
Well, and now if I ever meet him again, I can say, hey, I was with you when he caught your biggest trout of your life. You know, and then I'm sure he'll remember, or at least he'll remember that moment. I mean, you could at least let him know you had something to do with that. Maybe like you brought him a little bit of good luck, something like that, maybe. Well, he commented <laughs> on the picture, and he told me that I was his good luck charm, that we should come back. So I was like, oh, maybe we should. But then again, I was like, I don't want to be that weird girl who just pops up again. So I was like, I'll, just, <laughs> I'll just stay back. And <laughs> well, that oh, is, that's good. That is an awesome story. And, you know, you never know where – where hunting can lead you to. I mean, you, you got to meet maybe one of the future presidents of the U.S. Uh, we're not going to throw that out there, but, uh, you know, it, it's a really cool. I don't know how neat it would be just to sit there and visit with the Secret Service. Well, and he, like, I was super nervous. I'm like, okay, like, I don't even know what to, but he was just so laid back and just chilling, just talking about fishing and hunting. And I was like, but, you know, not many people can say, yeah, they just kind of sat and talked to the president's son and hopefully future president. <laughs> well, when I used to work up north, every time it started getting cold, if I was in North Dakota, Minnesota, or South Dakota, we came south. We didn't stay up north. Uh, we we were not built for it, not in my opinion, to stay up there and work. <laughs> uh, so we, we would come south, but... They would always try to entice us with, oh, you can go snowmobiling, you can go ice fishing, you can do, and it's like, that doesn't, I don't want to go sit on a block of ice and fish. I mean, and and I kind of regret not ever doing it. I mean, we pheasant hunted we were while we were up there and got deer hunting a time or two, but never really stayed long enough to get into the full winter activities. Ice fishing is so much fun. People think I'm crazy, but... If you have a shanty with a heater, I mean, you can sit in there with just, like, pants and a T-shirt on. It's so warm. And then when, when a flag goes up or, when, like, if you're jigging and all of a sudden you get a bite, it's just like, oh, it's so – especially when you pull it. Now, when you have to – you have to pull this fish out of the hole that you're reeling it. So it's not like when you're fishing from shore where you can walk with it. Or, no, you need to make sure that this fish comes out exactly where you're putting that hole in. And that makes it that much more difficult. And then somebody normally has to reach their hands in this cold water and pull out the fish because, I mean, the trout that we catch are pretty big. So, I mean, it's it's a long fight, and it's, it's oh, it's so fun. <laughs> Well, Brittany, we are we are running out of time today, but I know for me personally, this has been a blast. I always love getting a visit with you. Your story is phenomenal. You know, Jeremy, have you got anything else you want to? No, Brittany, it was it was great. And, and before we leave, Brittany, kind of tell everybody where they can find you, where they can follow you. Um, you know, since you are involved with social media so much. <laughs> yeah. So my Instagram handle and Twitter are the same. So it's. Brit, B-R-I-T-T underscore Jill, J-I-L-L underscore. Then my Facebook is Brittany Jill Outdoor, or Facebook.com slash Brittany Jill Outdoors. All right, Brittany, we appreciate you joining us today, and everybody, we hope you enjoyed listening to this edition of Outdoor Country Talk with Jacob and Jeremy. Thank you all. Thank you. Southern air, Lord, to make you feel alright. I got the windows dying, I got the radio.